You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Pretty up theater people, and welcome to the very first podcast episode of your program is your ticket. I can't believe it, it's finally here. My name is Sean Chandler, and I will be your host. Sitting next to me is my new co-host, who's also our engineer, co-producer, and most importantly, and you will learn this, my husband, David Leeper. There he is. Say hi, David. Hello, David. Are you excited to be here? I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I can't believe you're actually doing this. I finally. know. I know. It's, it just seems like forever, right? It does. It does feel like forever. I know. It, it just seems like the right thing to do. Are you nervous? Am I nervous? No. No. Not at all. Why would I be nervous? Okay. No. Well, that's good because um, I, sometimes I'll ask people if they're nervous and I'll ask them so many times that they'll be like, okay, I'm, get, I'm getting nervous while you're asking me this. <laughs> but, oh well. So anyways, uh, bear with me because this is our very, very first show, as I said, and um, so we're new at this. I feel like that um, character in the uh, musical Come From Away, I don't know if you've seen Come From Away, it's a terrific musical about all these planes that had to be diverted to this uh, city in um, Canada, and uh, it was like this teeny tiny city, city and they all came together, and um, there was a character in the... Uh, show and she was a reporter. It was her first day, and so after every scene, she does a report and she says, "I'm new. <laughs> I'm new. I'm so so so." Give her a report, and then well, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know who's here, but I'm new. So, anyways, there's just a little, you know, apropos of well, it being our first day. So, anyways, uh, your program is your ticket. It's a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. Now, today's show features three outstanding theater artists who hold leadership positions within three varied theater companies and ensembles, and I've interviewed all three of them before. One of them has been on my podcast more than anybody, um, and... It's kind of funny the reason why. I mean, besides me, of course. Um, and it's, but, but you'll learn the reason why. Um, so I would like to introduce you to that. So uh, first we have Mr. Douglas Weidick, and he is the managing director for North Coast NYC, which is a hip-hop improv theater group. And they do really, really fun shows. I, I saw one, and I believe it was about... Helen Keller, and yeah. it was it was awesome. It was terrific. Yep. Next in the middle, we have Allison Threadgold, and she is the artistic director for Stripped Scripts, and um, they recently did a show called Stupid Fucking Bird by Aaron Posner, and they did it in a gallery, and it was uh, sensational. I mean, I loved it because, well, I'll talk a little bit more about that in the future, because they did this really cool thing in Act 2, and I first went, because... Just so you know, David was in the show as well. Yes, I was in the show. Right, he played he played Zorn, right? Zorn, Zorn, Zorn. Zorn. It was Zorn. Like, a, like a superhero. I was Zorn. Zorn. Right. Okay. Zorn. 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 He played Zorn. Zorn. And he told me what they were gonna do, and I was like, I can't believe that. That's crazy. Okay. And then all the way to your right is Mr. Rob Neal. He oh. is the found a founding member of the New York Neo Futurists, and they are. Um, it it's really. It's really cool and kind of, well, I'm going to let you describe it, Rob, because of the fact right. that it's, I think I called it when I've interviewed you twice, organized chaos, in, <laughs> and it's beautifully done. This, so that's why I picked these three particular individuals, because um, they do 
three different things with their companies and they all do it so brilliantly well. And so I wanted to bring them on um, to talk about what it's like to run a theater company, um, the joys, the disappointments, um, casting, things like that. So let's go ahead and um, begin the interview. Hi guys, and welcome to your program, Is Your Ticket. Hey. It's so nice to have you here. Um, let's start by having each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves personally, and then a little bit more about your theater organizations than what the, the little I've already said. Okay, we'll start with Douglas. All right, sounds good. My name is Douglas Weidick. I've been performing in New York for like 10 years now. Uh, I'm an improviser and sketch comedian, but I also produce and um, I audition for commercials and sometimes I book them. Uh, but I'm the managing director of North Coast NYC, which is a hip hop improv ensemble, which started as just an independent team that met at Upright Citizens Brigade. And now we've toured uh, internationally. We do colleges and all sorts of fun, interesting gigs. Super fun. Allison? Yeah. Hi, I'm Allison Threadgold. Um, I am a graduate of the Atlantic Conservatory, which uh, then sent me to LA, which landed me in Santa Barbara, which is where Strip Scripts was born. Um, I'm also an actor and producer, and uh, Strip Scripts started as a reading series in Santa Barbara, and then when I moved to New York, it found a new home here in New York, and then became a full-fledged theater company, and this will be our third year. We do one big show a year, so we've done two shows so far, and uh, we loosely operate out of a gallery in Long Island City. Yeah. And you also do a, a, a monthly reading we series. We do a monthly reading series well. still here in New York as well of new works, uh, with no rehearsals. Cold yeah. readings in front of a live audience. Which I love because it really tests the metal of the writing. It does. It does. And, yeah. and, and I remember when I interviewed you uh, the first time, you had said uh, everything with stripped scripts has to be about the text. So that is a great way of seeing whether the text holds up by just putting actors out there, no rehearsal, totally cold. And um, I would say almost every time the writing has held up really, really well. We've been really lucky, and thanks to some of your guys' connections, too. So some oh. great writers have come on, on board recently. So I'm happy to connect you with them. <laughs> Rob. Hey, I'm Rob Neal, and I am a New York neo-futurist. And I have been involved with the company since its beginning in 2004. And I was actually a neo-futurist in 95, and that's what brought me to New York. Although I only thought I'd be here for six months. And it's been a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Don't yes. we all think that when we come yeah. to New York City? Oh, just saying, you know, I think that's just our way of, of appeasing the friends and the relatives. Because it's like, oh, we're going to be there for six months, and then eventually it's... Oh my God, I hope your mother... Well, your mother probably will watch this. <laughs> I, my mother will watch this because I'm in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the moms. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, my mom will watch this too. So, uh, so yeah, I left the Midwest and I, I came to New York and I, I've you know, done a lot of different theater besides the Neo-Futurists, but I've always come back to the Neo-Futurists and for... Uh, many years I was the managing director as well as part of the ensemble and since 2004 we've had over 70 artists incubate their work in the company and we've created over 5,000 plays most of which are very short because the show that we do now is an ever-changing attempt to perform 30 original plays in 60 minutes and it is done in random order as determined by the audience as the show goes along so there is interaction and we're dealing with things that are happening now and the performers are creating the work, so it's a, it is chaos, 
Sean, it is. We, em- we embrace that, <laughs> and, uh, and we embrace randomness, and we try to, every weekend, put that all together to bring a show that is uniquely that show for that night. It's, it's really cool, um, the, the way that it, it rolls out, um, because the audience has a hand, uh, just like with North Coast. With North Coast, uh, also, the audience makes suggestions to the ensemble mm-hmm. um, as to what you're going to perform that night. Yeah. And magically, like all this, I mean, this, this great <laughs> piece of theater, musical theater, uh-huh. uh, hip-hop occurs. Um, it's the same thing um, with the neo-futurists. Uh, it's, uh, the audience picks the order of these sketches that are written by the ensemble yeah. and rehearsed. And so you never really know. I mean, each show is going to be different. Yeah, and um, uh, I mean it's just it's it's really cool, and it's it's both of these guys have ensembles that that their shows are really a sight to see. I mean it's 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 cool and it's different, and and you should totally go and experience it. I remember I was just like, oh my god, I I, I can't believe this. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> that's 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 terrific. Um, and then Allison, I did want to go back to Strip Scripts with your production of Stupid Fucking Bird. I remember I went in and I interviewed the cast as well. I'd, I'd interviewed you and, and Tana from uh, Strip Scripts before, but I interviewed the cast of Stupid Fucking Bird because my husband's in it, so, you know, nepotism. But anyways, um, and then I walked through the gallery where you were rehearsing and performing. Now, Stupid Fucking Bird, is, it's done in three acts, right? Okay, so that's... Okay, act two, he comes in and he says... We're going to do act two in the break room of this gallery. And, and I remember looking in the break room and I thought, how the hell are you going to do that? I mean, and it's a small room. And yet the director made this decision to put the entire audience in the break room. And there's an intimacy to that act that really lent itself to that. That was a really cool, brave decision that could have backfired on you guys, yeah. but worked beautifully. So we all were in the gallery and we went in the break room and then we came back out in the gallery for the rest of it. So um, I think you're all risk takers and and that's the kind of theater I like seeing. Um, So let's talk a little bit about about how you go about managing your your various companies. Um, How do each of your theater organizations plan your seasons? Well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's like it's like duke it out as who's going to answer first. Uh, like it's very Darwinian. Whoever starts talking first, you um, win. <laughs> my my group doesn't really have seasons as much as runs that okay. we do, and then I feel like our interesting, most interesting thing is that we plan little tours, and then we kind of use a date. Like for example, we just did a, a 13-day tour of the UK, and cool. we used the Birmingham Improv Festival as a jumping-off point for six other cities. Uh, so we ended up doing seven shows, 13 days, six cities in the UK. But it all started with one day that we jumped off of, and six months of planning. And before you know it, I'm performing near a castle in Edinburgh or whatever. Wow. Um, so in terms of seasons, we're like very erratic. But our main, our uh, flagship show 
show that we have is every Saturday at the People's Improv Theater at 9 p.m. So that's like our anchor. That's our foundation that we're building the house on. And then we have now a bi-weekly run of Anybody, an improvised historical hip opera, which is the show we spoke to you about. Right. And you saw the Helen Keller one we did. Uh, and so we have basically this model where it's like we have the home shows, we have the New York shows. That's the um, foundation and cement with which we then jump off and do other small tours and engagements. So do you, does the, the team get together and say, okay, we want to try our format in this particular, utilizing these, this particular themes, or we want it to be history, or we want it to be, I don't know, um, parodying uh, uh, other shows, Broadway shows. Do you make those decisions and then rehearse towards that? In the infancy stages of anybody, a lot of that stuff was by committee. We talked a lot about like how we wanted the show to feel, especially in the beginning, because first impressions with improv are so important. I heard that too. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool. uh, I think school has gotten now yeah. close to where we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Ooh, light, uh, happy lunch. Uh, no. Uh, so so we some of that stuff happens by committee, but with improv, it's really important to delegate some of that stuff to a director wow. because improv. Supervisors giving each other feedback and it's too much, right? It's too much. Sure. So we delegate that to our. We actually have one of the best directors of musical improv. He was a founding member of Baby Wants Candy. His name is Jody Shelton. So he helps make a lot of those like big picture decisions for the anybody show. But in terms of like, where's the team going? What are we trying to do right now? And like our bigger mission statement, that usually comes back to me and James Robolata, who are the co-owners of the team, and we're, we founded it. 10 years ago. Wow. So um, we're we're kind of the ones who make a lot of the big picture choices. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Excellent. Now, I did want to uh, circle back to something I said in my intro. Uh, Doug has more performances on your program is your ticket than anybody but me. You were talking about me. Right. <laughs> I was talking about you. And the reason why is because when I, when I went and interviewed you guys, you yeah. sang a song called Your Program Is Your Ticket. Yeah, uh, and and it was it became my theme song, and I opened the show with it, and I closed the show with it on the podcast. So there you go. <laughs> so I think it's like on something like 40, 50, 60 podcasts. Yeah. So. Something Anyways. like your program, you would take it, something like that. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. even say, you say my name like three times. I was like, yeah. oh, please let me use this. <laughs> and you really graciously did. So yeah. so there there it is. Um, our, our, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Allison, go ahead. Uh, so a little bit the same. We don't have a season per se. Well, we have a season of readings, um, which are we're trying to start. Each each month has a theme. To We do one acts most often, especially recently. We do sometimes do full-length plays. Um, but we try to pick an overarching topic or theme for the month's reading. Um, and that sort of serves as an incubator for us for what we might want to do down the road. Um, we have a really small ensemble. Um, there's just four of us that run the company in our ensemble. So all the shows we do, we do outside casting for, which I think is coming up later. So talk about that later. But um, but it's a way in which we, by having these readings, we're always kind of keeping an eye on who's out there who might we be interested in working with, both uh, in terms of writers and in terms of actors. Uh, so that's kind of a fun little, really low key process for us. We drink wine and hang out in the gallery and do these unrehearsed readings. So it's pretty fun. Uh, and we have made some great contacts from that. And then season-wise, we pick one show to do a full production of per year. 
Uh, and the reason we do that is because our approach to the plays we like to do, we like to spend six to nine months dissecting the play and taking apart our expectation of what we think it might want to look like and then trying lots of other iterations of it and then trying to piece it back together. So our very first play we did, we uh, did the New York City premiere of a play called Tomorrow in the Battle by Kieran Barry. Um, and we, that had always, that had only been done a few times and it had been done as three characters telling their monologues in spotlights. Um, it had never, as far as I know, been done outside of that staged format. And I kept wanting to experiment with how that might be presented. So we had a score written um, and we played around with interacting between the characters since they're in the same story even though they're not speaking to each other. So that's kind of our process and why we only do one show um, a year so we can take all this time and in our last show play with this gallery space and see, you know, sky was the limit in that space and, you know, what did we want to do with it and how crazy did we want to be and how immersive and, and so that's kind of our approach. Uh, more than how we pick a season is what's the next story we want to tell and then take a long time figuring out how we want to tell it. <laughs> Excellent, Rob. Well, uh, The Infinite Wrench is every Friday and Saturday, and that itself is an incubator of new work for us. And anywhere from 2 to 12 plays are new every week, so sometimes the first time that the play happens is in front of an audience on Friday night, and we're constantly crafting there, and that's a given. Like, we do that show 50 weeks out of the year, right. and it's constantly asking for new work and performers to be available to be in runs. Uh, and then we try to craft things around that. We have, in the past, selected a two-show season on top of that out of company-wide salons because the unique element of the New York Neo Futures currently is that our artistic director is the collective ensemble. So everybody there is kind of a co-artistic director, except for sometimes that number is 16 co-artistic directors. So we have salons where people will propose, uh, sit down and, and read through and pitch what they want to turn into a longer form play. And that's how uh, we ended up with Wind Up Variations, which is the last time that we talked about neo-futurism, I believe. Yes, and yeah. I saw it. It was terrific. Thank you, thank you. And that came out of a very long incubation period because that was mine, uh, my ideas initially, and then I was managing director, so I kind of put that on the back burner, and then we did a whole bunch of other shows, and then, you know, 12 years later or whatever, we put it all together and put these people into a room with those ideas and then blew it up into something bigger and more musical than I could do on my own, for <laughs> sure. Um, and then we had... Uh, grants for electronics that kind of expanded our capabilities that we could turn uh, the whole stage at the Crane Theater into a projection space, which was uh, a big advancement for us, especially when we were trying to create things on the fly. Uh, and, then, and then going forward right now, because we have a, a fairly new ensemble, we are uh, doing this, this show that is a reoccurring show throughout the spring of next year, 2019 called Double or Nothing, where we have a certain number of plays go in the first month, and then the audience votes, and the top votes, the top half, get to go on, but they have to double in length. And then it goes on and on and on until there's one final play that is, you know, so many times to the size of what it started out as, and has won all the votes, voting or whatever, uh, throughout. So we have no idea where that's gonna go, because 
all the ensemble has pitched plays to go in it, and then those plays will will then be competing against each other or with each other. I don't know how you look at it, but it, in the end, theater wins. Or I don't know, well, I, I, we haven't really come up with our catchphrase yet. <laughs> theater wins. Theater wins. Yes. Yes. Ten ten theater wins. Let's let's make theater win overall. Yes. I love it. Let's talk about your casting. How do you go about casting your your shows or your or your various ensembles? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to? I went first wanna, last time. I got a. Uh, Allison, yeah. you want to jump yeah. in? You, you already started on the casting part, so you, uh, yeah. Sure. I'll yeah. Jump back in. Uh, so, I, uh, as I kind of dipped my toe into it a little bit earlier, um, casting for us uh, are it comes a little bit of a mix from people we've worked with in the past that we just. You know, felt a connection away that we bookmark, thinking you know we want to find the right piece to work with that person on, um, and then people that come to our reading that we've asked to come in and audition, um, and then we met David because you had interviewed uh, my co-artistic director Tana and I after our first show. Met David because he came to see that show and thought, hey, he might that works. Be that that, that works very well. Yeah. That's, yeah, so I always have to thank Sean for you know getting me cast and stuff. Yeah. David um, likes that. Well, David likes that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, kind of just you know the little network. Theater wins. Things, yeah. yes. <laughs> and then of course you know there's always backstage. We we don't do a lot of that to be honest, it, unless yeah. it's really like a type that we don't you know we don't know a lot of people in that age range or in that specific you know that play a specific instrument. We needed somebody who could play the ukulele in our last show, um, but otherwise we kind of go through people. Sometimes it's right there, and sometimes you really have to search. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally get that. Okay, gentlemen? We have an ensemble, and it works out that pretty much every year at the end of February, I think this year might be the beginning of March, we hold auditions. And sometimes we need two people, and sometimes, like last year, we cast six to expand the ensemble. And we're not casting for a specific show, necessarily. We're casting for people to be invested in the company for a longer term, though ideally you're going into the infinite wrench right away, so you better be ready to kind of do that. Sure. Uh, and we you know, have a regular call, and a lot of that ends up being people who are familiar with us already. Uh, we don't, I think early on we use backstage as well, but we ended up getting people that had no idea what they were getting into and weren't even presenting something that was uh, necessarily appropriate for the audition, because we're asking people to create plays based in the idea of neo-futurism, you are who you are, you are where you are, you're doing what you're doing, and the time is now, so it's they're creating a piece about themselves. And then we put them, the people that we call back through a uh, two-day callback, which is like a workshop, basically. Uh, some of the people have already gone through our workshops. We have workshops that are like level one, level two, level three, performance, all that, that kind of immerse people into the world, but the actual callback itself is like a basic training, basic neo-futurism. And then when we do the bigger shows, uh, the longer form shows, I guess, it's not necessarily bigger, uh, we, we often will cast directly from the ensemble sure. or according to availability because, again, the people that are in those shows, who they are will inform what the show becomes. They're, they are playing themselves, basically, in right. these situations, and they are partially often creating the material. That's one of the rules, right? Yeah. 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 So you have to, when you audition for the neo-futurists for whatever it is, it it's, you're auditioning to be a writer, director, and performer all together. Sure. And and being able to bring what that is. Uh, and, you know, part of it is we feel that, you know, everybody's story is valid. And we just give them a platform to put it out there and to collaborate and incubate in the, 
the infinite wrench every week, and then maybe in a longer form as they get more comfortable doing that or figure out something that they want to take uh, something further. Very cool. Uh, Amazing. Um, so North Coast has a core cast of improvisers, uh, nine people who are on the team full-time, get all the Google group emails. <laughs> we're, uh, we're training two people right now, so they, we're, we're calling them like active sit-ins, so three to six month training period where like you're on a lot of emails, you get show offers, and we're cultivating you and weaving you into the team. So once they're added, those two, will be a core cast of 11. Uh, we have two beatboxers that we keep kind of on staff. There are two beatboxers that we hit up for everything. Then after that, a long list of people we hit up if they're not available. Uh, and then uh, accompanists are usually a la carte, but Jody Shelton tends to do everything. But uh, what we do is for the home show, the Saturday show in the People's Improv Theater, anyone can do it. You're free, show up, you're in, you're on that show. The Saturday show can be as many as three improvisers or nine improvisers. That one we keep more like the we come together as an ensemble on Saturdays, but the anybody show, because it's very delicate and we're doing narrative, we try to keep it to a cast of five or six. Good. Yeah, because Smart. story, yeah, yeah, and it tends to be pairing of two, pairing of two, and then the dum-dum scene tends to be three or four. Uh, you have your pro-tag, your antag, and your charm characters. You know, your Yoda or your seven dwarves <laughs> in the third scene. Uh, so, uh, people who provide some levity. Uh, so, so the, that shows cast and what we do is we have a casting board of senior members on the team so people who've been on the team for four plus years discuss okay well this person's been to a lot of rehearsals lately I think they should be cast on the next anybody or they should be cast on the next college gig and everybody goes yes 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 and we agree and we all serve as a check on each other to enable no nepotism to enable no like I really like doing scenes with this person it's like no uh, actually this person's been to more rehearsals lately and they should get cast on the paid gig. So um, there is some internal discussion about that stuff because we try to keep checks and balances on casting uh, within the uh, improv ensemble. Improv teams have a lot of unique needs. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, like the traditional like producer, GM, stage manager model is, and then you try to do that on improv, you get improvisers who are like, you can't tell me what to do. They think they're rock stars. And they're not. They're nerds. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good time. Um, yeah. I could talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I just realized I forgot to say one key thing for any actors that might be watching, that our um, reading series casting is totally different. And I want to mention just because we cast just based on type from headshots that people submit when they come to the monthly reading. Um, so you come, you show up to a reading, you hand your headshot in at the beginning if you're interested in reading with us, and at the, while you're watching the reading, we're casting the next month's reading just based on your headshot, and we announce the cast at the end of that reading. So everybody should come. And you're actually <laughs> testing the actor's medal there too, yeah. like the writers, because the actors then have to, without any rehearsal or a director, just get in there and show what they're made of yeah. and show how they cold read, mm -hmm. how they interpret character, things like that. We how they adjust to narrative flows, uh, things like that. How well does it read? Super, uh, they get their scripts two weeks two in weeks advance, but there's no meetings of other cast yeah. members. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's very strict. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very strict. It. Yeah. It's like so people gym. try to cheat and get in touch with the writer. <laughs> <laughs> what did you mean by that? It's like, no, just say this crap. <laughs>
Well, I could talk to you three all day long, um, but we're, we are running out of time. So um, already, I know it just it flew by. Um, so if if I could have each one of you, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna do two questions in one. Just very quickly, tell me the 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 biggest challenge of running a theater ensemble or theater company, and the biggest reward. Goodness, <clears throat> who's ready first? Well, biggest challenge is um, never having enough money. Uh, the that. funding is tricky, <laughs> writing grants is hard, you can get grants for years and then all of a sudden not get them, and uh, box office can only go do so much. So that is definitely, now that we've gotten to a certain size, like it's like you need money to keep the operation going. Sure. And to support what that is, and, and grants are one way, gigs are another way, um, but it's, it's it, we could do a lot, we could have a bigger staff, we could pay people, but to pay our artists more. Um, and that would make things a lot easier, uh, I would think. Although there are lots of theaters that have lots of money in this, <laughs> right? Indeed, it's um, all relative. Biggest reward? Uh, I would say um, the biggest reward is creating a unique community every night that we do the show. Uh, 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 several of us know each other, but a lot of strangers come into the room, and then we just throw all these ideas that activate and 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 inspire and hopefully get people to uh, not only go out and create art but to think about the world and look at the, uh, look at the world and be inclusive uh, I think that that's that's empowering for me and uh, and inspiring and that's probably why I've been involved with this company for well, since 1995 so you joined when you were 12 right turn on the Chandler 12 year old <laughs> taking, taking the canoe out from Chicago to New York right exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would piggyback on the hardest challenge is financial, so I don't need to delve deeply back into that. And even though we get free rehearsal space through Long Island City artists um, who are lent this gallery by Foxall until Amazon comes and takes over the building. For now, we have free space. Um, and then biggest reward, I think, is um, is is telling stories in in new ways that reinvigorate the audience is idea of what theater can be. Um, I think that's been fun for me. I have a very um, left brain, right? No, right brain? Which is not creative. My husband is very right. opposite <laughs> side of the brain than me, whatever side right that is. Um, I always use him as my gauge of <laughs> if things are going well or not. Um, and just to see like his excitement as a non-theater person originally to sort of hear what we're going to do, like the idea of moving into the break room for the show and think that it's going to be the worst thing ever and then walk out and be like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So that he's, for me is what excites me, like people having reactions like that. He's a good <laughs> dude. He is. <laughs> uh, biggest challenge is workflow and making sure that the things we're spending the most time on aren't getting in the way of the creative labor because you can spend so much time on this or that logistical thing and then you're like why, why are we even here we're supposed to be improvising right, right. And it's like I just spent two hours on an itinerary it's like <laughs> let's let's focus on what counts uh, <laughs> and then the other side of it I mean and obviously money is the everyday in and out challenge like I've grown up more running this theater company as a human being because I've seen what it requires to make a dollar go that yeah, much yeah, farther yeah, sure grants, uh, free space, partnerships, sponsorships, it's just, uh, you have to be resourceful, you have to be resourceful. Uh, but then the other side of the coin, the rewarding part is 
uh, when you walk off stage and you got exactly what you needed out of the show that day and you changed someone, uh, someone in the audience had an experience because of you and a memory they'll have their entire life, you have changed the matter in the room. Mm. And taking the fact that someone over in the UK or someone in Iceland has a memory of my show, that to me means that I have made some sort of change in the world or brought levity to their life for an hour. So uh, that's the biggest reward. Wow. Yeah. That's a great way to, to wrap it up. Because I think all three of your organizations do that. They really do. I know that I've had that experience going to all three of your shows. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this has been great. I'm so glad to have the three of you as uh, our first guests. And so thank you for being with us, Allison, Douglas, and Rob. Yeah. Right. You, were, you were amazing. Now, at the end of the show, we'll be putting up social media information for each of these wonderful organizations. We're going to put it up on a little slide so that you can just hit the pause button on whatever you're watching us on. And um, uh, then you can take down their information and you should go to their uh, social media sites, their websites, and definitely go to their shows. If they ask for donations, donate. Yes. You, you just heard. They all three need money. So, um, PayPal.com, honey. Right? It's also Giving Tuesday today. Yeah, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, we're out there for Isn't that. Yeah. yeah. Now, though, when will I see this? Yeah. Anywhere well, around the world in a few days? It should be giving. All the theater days. wins. Yeah, theater, theater wins. Win. Hashtag theater wins. Yes. We're, do, we're doing I don't know which one of you said that, but I'm stealing it. Put a hashtag <laughs> in front of it, but that's just how I am. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Um, you can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket on YouTube. We have a YouTube page, and it's all set up to go. Uh, just search out Your Program Is Your Ticket, and when you go there, hit the subscribe buttons. That's really kind of important and helpful, and it helps our profile, and then you can see when we put up a new show, and uh, tell, tell all your friends to go to that as well. Uh, we're on Facebook still, at Your Program Is Your Ticket. Uh, we're on Twitter, at, at Program Ticket. Um, the website is uh, yourprogramisyourticket.com. And as for fans of the podcast, don't you fret. The audio of this show will be utilized as a podcast and available on iTunes and SoundCloud, just like it was before, as well as all the other addresses that I've listed. And, I mean, we're just, I just want to, we're everywhere, aren't we? Everywhere, and we're continue, continuing to grow, aren't we? He's looking at me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're everywhere. We will be everywhere. Yes. Okay, and uh, eventually on Instagram, I've got my niece on that because <laughs> yeah, I'm 53, so I don't know how to use Instagram <laughs> as well as I should. Direct the consumer. you got to get yeah. I know. Yes. Kylie Jenner lip balm, billion dollars just from Instagram. You should be boomeranging this already. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured out boomerangs yet. Actually. I know. That just makes me want to put my hand in my hand. Here's my hand. that right there. That's a boomerang. Yeah, pay a millennial to do it. Exactly. Yeah. That, which is exactly what I'm doing. Task rabbit. <laughs> Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forgive us, forget to give a smaller show some love, including all of their shows. Not that they're small shows, but give them some love. Um, there's a lot of theater gems out there. Until our next show, thank you for watching. Good night, theater people. And your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.